Section twenty five of The Fortunes of Nigel by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty three Swash Buckler Bilbo's the word Pierrot. It hath been spoke too often. The spell hath lost its charm. I tell thee, friend the meanest cur that trots the street will turn and snarl against your proffered bastinado swash buckler tis art shall do it then i will dose the mongrels or in plain terms i'll use the private knife stead of the brandished falchion old play the noble captain culpepper or peppercall for he was known by both these names and some others besides had a martial and a swashing exterior which on the present occasion was rendered yet more peculiar by a patch covering his left eye and a part of the cheek the sleeves of his thick-set velvet jerkin were polished and shone with grease his buff gloves had huge tops which reached almost to the elbow his sword-belt of the same materials extended its breadth from his haunch-bone to his small ribs and supported on the one side his large black-hilted back-sword on the other a dagger of like proportions he paid his compliments to nigel with that air of predetermined effrontery which announces that it will not be repelled by any coldness of reception ask trap boys how he did by the familiar title of old peter pillory and then seizing upon the black jack emptied it off at a draught to the health of the last and youngest freeman of alsatia the noble and loving master nigel graham when he had set down the empty pitcher and drawn his breath he began to criticise the liquor which it had lately contained sufficient single beer old pillory and as i take it brewed at the rate of a nutshell of malt to a butt of tins as dead as a corpse too and yet it went hissing down my throat bubbling by jove like water upon hot iron you left us early noble master graham but good faith we had a carouse to your honour we heard but ring hollow ere we parted we were as loving as inkle weavers we fought too to finish off the gaudy i bear some barks of the parson about me you see a note of the sermon or so which should have been addressed to my ear but missed its mark and reached my left eye the man of god bears my sign manual too but the duke made us friends again and it cost me more sack than i could carry and all the rhenish to boot to pledge the seer in the way of love and reconciliation but caracho tis a vile old canting slave for all that whom i will one day beat out of his devil's livery into all the colours of the rainbow 
Basta, said I. Well, old trap boys, where is thy daughter, man? What says she to my suit? Tis an honest one. Wilt have a soldier for thy son-in-law, old pillory, to mingle the soul of martial honor with thy thieving, mitching, petty larceny blood, as men put bold brandy into muddy ale. My daughter receives not company so early, noble captain, said the usurer, and concluded his speech with a dry, emphatical, ugh, ugh. What, upon no consideration, said the captain, and wherefore not, old true penny? She has not much time to lose in driving her bargain, methinks. Captain, said Trap Boys, I was upon some little business with our noble friend here, Master Nigel Green. Ugh, 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 and you would have me gone, I warrant you, answered the bully. But patience, old pillory, thine hour is not yet come, man. You see, he said, pointing to the casket, that noble Master Graham, whom you call Green, has got the decuses and the smelt which you would willingly rid him of ha ha ugug answered the usurer if you knew how but like a day thou art one of those that come out for wool and art sure to go home shorn why now but that i am sworn against laying of wagers i would risk some consideration that this honest guest of mine sends thee home penniless if thou darest venture with him ugug at any game which gentlemen play at mary thou hast me on the hip there thou old miserly coney-catcher answered the captain taking a bale of dice from the sleeve of his coat i must always keep company with these damnable doctors and they have made me every baby's cully and purged my purse into an atrophy but never mind it passes the time as well as aught else how say you master graham the fellow paused but even the extremity of his impudence could scarcely hardly withstand the cold look of utter contempt with which nigel received his proposal returning it with a simple i only play where i know my company and never in the morning cards may be more agreeable said captain colepepper and for knowing your company here is honest old pillory will tell you jack colepepper plays as truly on the square as e'er a man that trolled a die men talk of high and low dice fulhams and bristles topping napping slurring stabbing and a hundred ways of rooking besides but broil me like a rasher of bacon if i could ever learn the trick on them you have got the vocabulary perfect sir at the least said nigel in the same cold tone yes by mine honour have i returned the hector they are phrases that a gentleman learns about town but perhaps you would like a set at tennis or a game at balloon we have an indifferent good court hard by here and a set of as gentlemanlike blades as ever banged leather against brick and mortar i beg to be excused at present said lord glenvarlock and to be plain among the valuable privileges your society has conferred on me i hope i may reckon that of being private in my own apartment when i have a mind you are a humble servant sir said the captain 
and i thank you for your civility jack culpepper can have enough of company and thrusts himself on no one but perhaps you will like to make a match at skittles i am by no means that way disposed replied the young nobleman or to leap a flea run a snail match a wary eh no i will do none of these answered nigel here the old man who had been watching with his little peery eyes pulled the bulky hector by the skirt and whispered do not vapour him the huff it will not pass let the trout play he will rise to the hook presently but the bully confiding in his own strength and probably mistaking for timidity the patient scorn with which nigel received his proposals incited also by the open casket began to assume a louder and more threatening tone he drew himself up bent his brows assumed a look of professional ferocity and continued in alsatia look ye a man must be neighbourly and companionable zounds sir we would slit any nose that was turned up at us honest fellows ay sir we would slit it up to the gristle though it had smelt nothing all its life but musk ambergris and court scented water rabbit me i'm a soldier and care no more for a lord than a lamplighter are you seeking a quarrel sir said nigel calmly having in truth no desire to engage himself in a discreditable broil in such a place and with such a character quarrel sir said the captain i'm not seeking a quarrel though i care not how soon i find one only i wish you to understand you must be neighbourly that's all what if we should go over the water to the garden and see a bull hanked this fine morning so death will you do nothing something i'm strangely tempted to do at this moment said nigel vitalicit said culpepper with a swaggering air let us hear the temptation i'm tempted to throw you headlong from the window unless you presently make the best of your way downstairs throw me from the window hell and furies exclaimed the captain i've confronted twenty crooked sabres at buddha with my single rapier and shall a chitty-faced beggarly scots lordling speak of me and a window in the same breath stand off old pillory let me make scotch collops of him he dies the death for the love of heaven gentlemen exclaimed the old miser throwing himself between them do not break the peace on any consideration noble guest forbear the captain he is a very hector of troy trusty hector forbear my guest he is like to prove a very achilles agug here he was interrupted by his asthma but nevertheless continued to interpose his person between culpepper who had unsheathed his winyard and was making vain passes at his antagonist and nigel who had stepped back to take his sword and now held it undrawn in his left hand make an end of this foolery you scoundrel said nigel do you come hither to vent your noisy oaths and your bottled-up valour on me you seem to know me and i am half ashamed to say i have at length been able to recollect you remember the garden behind the ordinary you dastardly ruffian and the speed with which fifty men saw you run from a drawn sword get you gone sir 
and do not put me to the vile labor of cudgeling such a cowardly rascal downstairs the bully's countenance grew dark as night at this unexpected recognition for he had undoubtedly thought himself secure in his change of dress and his black patch from being discovered by a person who had seen him but once he set his teeth clenched his hands and it seemed as if he was seeking for a moment's courage to fly upon his antagonist but his heart failed he sheathed his sword turned his back in gloomy silence and spoke not until he reached the door when turning round he said with a deep oath if i be not avenged of you for this insolence ere many days go by i would the gallows had my body and the devil my spirit so saying and with a look where determined spite and malice made his features savagely fierce though they could not overcome his fear he turned and left the house nigel followed him as far as the gallery at the head of the staircase with the purpose of seeing him depart and ere he returned was met by mistress martha trapboys whom the noise of the quarrel had summoned from her own apartment he could not resist saying to her in his natural displeasure i would madam you could teach your father and his friends the lesson which you had the goodness to bestow on me this morning and prevail on them to leave me the unmolested privacy of my own apartment if you came hither for quiet or retirement young man answered she you have been advised to an evil retreat you might seek mercy in the star chamber or holiness in hell with better success than quiet in alsatia but my father shall trouble you no longer so saying she entered the apartment and fixing her eyes on the casket she said with emphasis if you display such a lodestone it will draw many a steel knife to your throat while nigel hastily shut the casket she addressed her father upbraiding him with small reverence for keeping company with the cowardly hectoring murdering villain john culpepper ay ay child said the old man with the cunning leer which intimated perfect satisfaction with his own superior address i know i know ugh but i'll cross bite him i know them all and i can manage them ay ay i have the trick on't ugh ugh you manage father said the austere damsel you will manage to have your throat cut and that ere long you cannot hide from them your gains and your gold as formerly my gains wench my gold said the usurer alack a day few of these and hard got few and hard got this will not serve you father any longer said she and had not served you thus long but that bully culpepper had contrived a cheaper way of plundering your house even by means of my miserable self but why do i speak to him of all this she said checking herself and shrugging her shoulders with an expression of pity which did not fall much short of scorn he hears me not he thinks not of me is it not strange that the love of gathering gold should survive the care to preserve both property and life your father said lord glenvarlock who could not help respecting the strong sense and feelings shown by this poor woman even amidst all her rudeness and severity your father seems to have his faculties sufficiently alert when he is in the exercise 
of his ordinary pursuits and functions i wonder he is not sensible of the weight of your arguments nature made him a man senseless of danger and that insensibility is the best thing i have derived from him said she age has left him shrewdness enough to tread his old beaten paths but not to seek new courses the old blind horse will long continue to go its rounds in the mill when it would stumble in the open meadow daughter why wench why housewife said the old man awakening out of some dream in which he had been sneering and chuckling in imagination probably over a successful piece of roguery go to chamber wench go to chamber draw bolts and chain look sharp to door let none in or out but worshipful master graham i must take my cloak and go to duke hildebrod ay ay time has been my own warrant was enough but the lower we lie the more are we under the wind and with his wonted chorus of muttering and coughing the old man left the apartment his daughter stood for a moment looking after him with her usual expression of discontent and sorrow you ought to persuade your father said nigel to leave this evil neighbourhood if you are in reality apprehensive for his safety he would be safe in no other quarter said the daughter i would rather the old man were dead than publicly dishonoured in other quarters he would be pelted and pursued like an owl which ventures into sunshine here he was safe while his comrades could avail themselves of his talents he is now squeezed and fleeced by them on every pretence they consider him as a vessel on the strand from which each may snatch a prey and the very jealousy which they entertain respecting him as a common property may perhaps induce them to guard him from more private and daring assaults still methinks you ought to leave this place answered nigel since you might find a safe retreat in some distant country in scotland doubtless said she looking at him with a sharp and suspicious eye and enrich strangers with our rescued wealth ha young man madam if you knew me said lord glenvarlock you would spare the suspicion implied in your words who shall assure me of that said martha sharply they say you are a brawler and a gamester and i know how far these are to be trusted by the unhappy they do me wrong by heaven said lord glenvarlock it may be so said martha i am a little interested in the degree of your vice or your folly but it is plain that the one or the other has conducted you hither and that your best hope of peace safety and happiness is to be gone with the least possible delay from a place which is always a sty for swine and often a shambles so saying she left the apartment there was something in the ungracious manner of this female amounting almost to the contempt of him she spoke to an indignity to which glenvarlock notwithstanding his poverty had not as yet been personally exposed and which therefore gave him a transitory feeling of painful surprise neither did the dark hints which martha threw out concerning the danger of his place of refuge sound by any means agreeable to his ears the bravest man placed in a situation in which he is surrounded by suspicious persons and removed from all counsel and assistance except those afforded by a valiant heart and a strong arm experiences a sinking of the spirit a consciousness of abandonment which 
for a moment chills his blood and depresses his natural gallantry of disposition but if sad reflections arose in nigel's mind he had not time to indulge them and if he saw little prospect of finding friends in alsatia he found that he was not likely to be solitary for lack of visitors he had scarcely paced his apartment for ten minutes endeavouring to arrange his ideas on the course which he was to pursue on quitting alsatia when he was interrupted by the sovereign of the quarter the great duke hildebrand himself before whose approach the bolts and chains of the miser's dwelling fell or withdrew as of their own accord and both the folding leaves of the door were opened that he might roll himself into the house like a huge butt of liquor a vessel to which he bore a considerable outward resemblance both in size shape complexion and contents good morrow to your lordship said the greasy puncheon cocking his single eye and rolling it upon nigel with a singular expression of familiar impudence whilst his grim bulldog which was close at his heels made a kind of gurgling in his throat as if saluting in similar fashion a starved cat the only living thing in trapboy's house which we have not yet enumerated and which had flown up to the top of the tester where she stood clutching and grinning at the mastiff whose greeting she accepted with as much good will as nigel bestowed on that of the dog's master peace belzy damn thee peace said duke hildebrand beasts and fools will be meddling my lord i thought sir answered nigel with as much haughtiness as was consistent with the cool distance which he desired to preserve i thought i had told you my name at present was nigel graham his eminence of white friars on this burst out into a loud chuckling impudent laugh repeating the word till his voice was almost inarticulate niggle green niggle green niggle green why my lord you would be queered in the drinking of a penny pot of malmsey if you cry before you are touched why you have told me the secret even now had i not had a shrewd guess of it before why master nigel since that is the word i only called you my lord because we made you appear of alsatia last night when the sack was predominant how you look now ha 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 nigel indeed conscious that he had unnecessarily betrayed himself replied hastily he was much obliged to him for the honours conferred but did not propose to remain in the sanctuary long enough to enjoy them why that may be as you will and you will walk by wise counsel answered the ducal porpoise and although nigel remained standing in hopes to accelerate his guest's departure he threw himself into one of the old tapestry-backed easy-chairs which cracked under his weight and began to call for old trap-boys the crone of all work appearing instead of her master the duke cursed her for a careless jade to let a strange gentleman and a brave guest go without his morning's draught i never take one sir said glenvarlock time to begin time to begin answered the duke here you old refuse of satan go to our palace and fetch lord green's morning draught let us see what shall it be my lord a humming double pot of ale with a roasted crab dancing in it like a weary above bridge or hum ay young men are sweet-toothed a quart of burnt sack with sugar and spice good against the fogs 
or what say you to sipping a gill of right distilled waters come we will have them all and you shall take your choice hear you jezebel let tips and the ale and the sack and the nipperkin of double distilled with a bit of diet loaf or some such drink it and score it to the new-comer glenvarlock bethinking himself that it might be as well to endure this fellow's insolence for a brief season as to get into farther discreditable quarrels suffered him to take his own way without interruption only observing you make yourself at home sir in my apartment but for the time you may use your pleasure meanwhile i would fain know what has procured me the honour of this unexpected visit you shall know that when old deb has brought the liquor i never speak of business dry-lipped why how she drumbles i warrant she stops to take a sip on the road and then you will think you have had unchristian measure in the meanwhile look at that dog there look bilzebub in the face and tell me if you ever saw a sweeter beast never flew but at head in his life and after this congenial panegyric he was proceeding with a tale of a dog and a bull which threatened to be somewhat of the longest when he was interrupted by the return of the old crone and two of his own tapsters bearing the various kinds of drinkables which he had demanded and which probably was the only species of interruption he would have endured with equanimity when the cups and cans were duly arranged upon the table and when deborah whom the ducal generosity honoured with a penny farthing in the way of gratuity had withdrawn with her satellites the worthy potentate having first slightly invited lord glenvarlock to partake of the liquor which he was to pay for and after having observed that excepting three poached eggs a pint of bastard and a cup of clary he was fasting from everything but sin set himself seriously to reinforce the radical moisture glenvarlock had seen scottish lairds and dutch burgomasters at their potations but their exploits though each might be termed a thirsty generation were nothing to those of duke hildebrod who seemed an absolute sandbed capable of absorbing any given quantity of liquid without being either vivified or overflowed he drank off the ale to quench a thirst which as he said kept him in a fever from morning to night and night to morning tippled off the sack to correct the crudity of the ale sent the spirits after the sack to keep all quiet and then declared that probably he should not taste liquor till post meridian unless it was in compliment to some especial friend finally he intimated that he was ready to proceed on the business which brought him from home so early a proposition which nigel readily received though he could not help suspecting that the most important purpose of duke hildebrod's visit was already transacted in this however lord glenvarlock proved to be mistaken hildebrod before opening what he had to say made an accurate survey of the apartment laying from time to time his finger on his nose and winking on niger with his single eye while he opened and shut the doors lifted the tapestry which concealed in one or two places the dilapidation of time upon the wainscoted walls peeped into closets and finally looked under the bed to assure himself that the coast was clear of listeners and interlopers he then resumed his seat and beckoned confidentially to nigel to draw his chair close to him i'm well as i am master hildebrod replied the young lord little disposed to encourage the familiarity which the man endeavoured to fix on him but the undismayed duke proceeded as follows you shall pardon me my lord and i now give you the title right seriously if i remind you that our waters may be watched for though old trap boys 
be as deaf as st paul's yet his daughter has sharp ears and sharp eyes enough and it is of them that it is my business to speak say away then sir said nigel edging his chair somewhat closer to the quicksand although i cannot conceive what business i have either with mine host or his daughter we will see that in the twinkling of a quart pot answered the gracious duke and first my lord you must not think to dance in a net before old jack hildebrard that has thrice your years or his head and was born like king richard with all his eye-teeth ready cut well sir go on said nigel why then my lord i presume to say that if you are as i believe you are that lord glenvarlock whom all the world talk of the scotch gallant that has spent all to a thin cloak and a light purse be not moved my lord it is so noised of you men call you the sparrowhawk who will fly at all i were it in the very park be not moved my lord i am ashamed sir replied glenvarlock that you should have power to move me by your insolence but beware and if you indeed guess who i am consider how long i may be able to endure your tone of insolent familiarity i crave pardon my lord said hildebrot with a sullen yet apologetic look i meant no harm in speaking my poor mind i know not what honour there may be in being familiar with your lordship but i judge there is little safety for lowestoff is laid up in lavender only for having shown you the way into alsatia and so what is to come of those who maintain you when you are here or whether they will get most honour or most trouble by doing so i leave with your lordship's better judgment i will bring no one into trouble on my account said lord glenvarlock i will leave whitefriars to-morrow nay by heaven i will leave it this day you will have more wit in your anger i trust said duke hildebrot listen first to what i have to say to you and if honest jack hildebrot put you not in the way of nicking them all may he never cast doublets or dull a greenhorn again and so my lord in plain words you must wop and win your words must be still plainer before i can understand them said nigel what the devil a gamester one who deals with the devil's bones and the doctors and not understand pedlar's french nay then i must speak plain english and that's the simpleton's tongue speak then sir said nigel and i pray you be brief for i have little more time to bestow on you well then my lord to be brief as you and the lawyers call it i understand you have an estate in the north which changes masters for want of the redeeming ready i you start but you cannot dance in a net before me as i said before and so the king runs the frowning humour on you and the court vapours you the go-by and the prince scowls at you from under his cap and the favourite serves you out the puckered brow and the cold shoulder and the favourite's favourite to go no further sir interrupted nigel suppose all this true and what follows what follows returned duke hildebrot marry this follows that you will owe good deed as well as good will to him who shall put you in the way to walk with your beaver cocked in the presence and as an ye were earl of kildare bully the courtiers meet the prince's blighting look with a bold brow confront the favourite baffle his deputy and this is all well said nigel but how is it to be accomplished by making thee a prince of peru my lord of the northern latitudes propping thine old castle with ingots 
fertilizing thy failing fortunes with gold dust it shall but cost thee to put thy baron's coronet for a day or so on the brows of an old cadusa here the man's daughter of the house and thou art master of a mass of treasure thou shalt do all i have said for thee and what you would have me marry this old gentlewoman here the daughter of mine host said nigel surprised and angry yet unable to suppress some desire to laugh nay my lord i would have you marry fifty thousand good sterling pounds for that and better hath old trapboys hoarded and thou shalt do a deed of mercy in it to the old man who will lose his golden smelts in some worse way for now that he is well nigh past his day of work his day of payment is like to follow truly this is a most courteous offer said lord glenvarlock but may i pray of your candour most noble duke to tell me why you dispose of a ward of so much wealth on a stranger like me who may leave you to-morrow in sooth my lord said the duke that question smacks more of the wit of beaujeu's ordinary than any word i have yet heard your lordship speak and reason it is you should be answered touching my peers it is but necessary to say that mistress martha trapboys will none of them whether clerical or lake the captain hath asked her so hath the parson but she were none of them she looks higher than either and is to say truth a woman of sense and so forth too profound and of spirit something too high to put up with greasy buff or rusty prunella for ourselves we need but hint that we have a consort in the land of the living and what is more to purpose mrs martha knows it so as she will not lace her kersey hood save with a quality binding you my lord must be the man and must carry off fifty thousand decuses the spoils of five thousand bullies cutters and spendthrifts always deducting from the main sum some five thousand pounds for our princely advice and countenance without which as matters stand in alsatia you would find it hard to win the plate but as your wisdom considered sir replied glenvarlock how this wedlock can serve me in my present emergence as for that my lord said duke hildebrand if with forty or fifty thousand pounds in your pouch you cannot save yourself you will deserve to lose your head for your folly and your hand for being close-fisted but since your goodness has taken my matters into such serious consideration continued nigel who conceived there was no prudence in breaking with a man who in his way meant him favour rather than offence perhaps you may be able to tell me how my kindred would be likely to receive such a bride as you recommend to me touching that matter my lord i've always heard your countrymen knew as well as other folks on which side their bread was buttered and truly speaking from report i know no place where fifty thousand pounds fifty thousand pounds i say will make a woman more welcome than it is likely to do in your ancient kingdom and truly saving the slight twist in her shoulder mrs martha trapboys is a person of very awful and majestic appearance and may for aught i know become of better blood than any one wots of for old trapboys looks not over like to be her father and her mother was a generous liberal sort of a woman i am afraid answered nigel that chance is rather too vague to assure her a gracious reception into an honourable house why then my lord replied hildebrand i think it like she will be even with them for i will venture to say she has as much ill-nature as will make her a match for your whole clan that may inconvenience me a little replied nigel not a whit not a whit said the duke fertile in expedients if she should become rather intolerable which is not unlikely your honourable house which i presume to be a castle hath doubtless both turrets and dungeons and ye may bestow your bonny bride in either the one or the other 
and then you know you will be out of hearing of her tongue and she will be either above or below the contempt of your friends it is sagely counselled most equitable sir replied nigel and such restraint would be a fit meed for her folly that gave me any power over her you entertain the project then my lord said duke hildebrand i must turn it in my mind for twenty-four hours said nigel and i will pray you so to order matters that i be not further interrupted by any visitors we will utter an edict to secure your privacy said the duke and you do not think he added lowering his voice to a confidential whisper that ten thousand is too much to pay to the sovereign in name of wardship ten thousand said lord glenvarlock why you said five thousand but now aha art advised of that said the duke touching the side of his nose with his finger nay if you have marked me so closely you are thinking on the case more nearly than i believed till you trapped me well well we will not quarrel about the consideration as old trap boys would call it do you win and wear the dame it would be no hard matter with your face and figure and i will take care that no one interrupts you i will have an edict from the senate as soon as they meet for their meridium so saying duke hildebrand took his leave End of chapter twenty three